DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning is underway for most businesses. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. <coughs> Dylan, good morning. How are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing all right this morning. I'm curious. You know, we all make predictions and make picks. People want them. Nobody follows these contests. Nobody straight straight up. Forget the line. Straight up. Nobody can really pick more than about seventy. If you're really red hot, seventy five percent of the winners. It's hard to pick right. a game before a game. But having said that, it was hard to pick that BYU game in the game after two possessions. They're up ten nothing, and there is no hint that they're going to be held to seven points the rest of the game and turn it over four times. And to the coaches, uh, A-Rod said this on TV, the amount of times that they lined up wrong or ran a play wrong for a play that they have practiced and lined up for plenty of times and run plenty of times, it, it was just uh, it was incredible that they, they messed up basic stuff they know. What do you think mm-hmm. turned that game around? Because at 10-0, there was no hint that stuff's coming. Yeah, I think ultimately, right, what it comes down to is, is I think BYU is just worn out. Um, and I think that comes with new territory, right? Uh, in order to put yourself in a position to be a, a top, top-tier football program, it just goes back to the fact that your bad days can't be uh, anywhere near as bad as, as your opponents, right, especially at that level. And so, um, you know, I I was at the game. Uh, I caught the I caught the second half of it, and you could just I mean to be honest, like it was the the receivers looked tired. Uh, they looked worn out. Um, they had some struggles, kind of covering themselves up, uh, and didn't really give Baylor the best opportunity. And so you know you hear about assignments and things like that, and it's those little things that really do make a difference. And you know, uh, that's, I think that was the biggest, the biggest difference from what we've seen. And, uh, you just, that's, you got to be able to maintain it. You got to be able to maintain it all season and you can't make mistakes like that. In, you know, five, six games in the season. Yeah. It was almost like the law of averages caught up with them because they hadn't lost a fumble through yep. five games, which is stunning that it was that. And that's a large portion of the reason why they won. And then they have the three fumbles, which was a large portion of why they lost when you look at the turnover margin and losing that particular statistic 4-0. Mm-hmm. And they were all devastating. Two created short fields for Boise. Yeah. And then one, you look like you were going to maybe possibly get a touchdown. You were driving and you know really would have made a difference. So... I can't say that it's an epidemic with them. I'm wondering, you know, was just that? Do you think it was just that one game? The ball got loose. They'll be more cognizant of it going forward, and they'll be able to get a handle on it. Yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, right? It's, it's a law of averages. How often does that happen to them? And over the last two seasons, how often does that happen to, to Peeney and uh, to Tyler? Right? Um, they're generally right, very very secure running backs who don't lose the ball, um, you know, and through Jaron's first few games and obviously coming back from that injury, he, uh, you know, you, you haven't seen him make some of the decisions that he's made. And so, you know, 
that's that's all part of it's it's one game right now on the other hand i think we all saw exactly what boise state is capable of right for the first five games of the season they were only really a first half team and to be able to see all four quarters of boise state football again you realize why right they've been a top 25 team consistently throughout the last decade and have been a very good football program and i think uh this game for them was huge and they kind of catch the catch the wind and can hopefully kind of keep on the the path that they were on from Saturday and, and playing extremely physical and playing that you know old school uh, Boise State football. When BYU uh, the announcement came and BYU is going to the Big Twelve, I uh, I started checking to see how often BYU had played some of these teams, how it had gone. It turns out for a lot of these teams in the Big Twelve, they've played them one or two times in bowl games. In the case of West Virginia, it was a regular season game, but it was one time mm-hmm. a neutral you know, on the NFL field in Washington. Uh, there just isn't much history. So as much as you're starting to watch you know, how this season is going to go, because it looks pretty good, although it won't be unbeaten, and so this game matters this season, how much are you looking forward to uh, BYU at Baylor just because it's the start of a new tradition and there really isn't much to build on there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, it really does kind of give people an insight into what the new era of BYU football is, right, and the ability to go into Big 12 stadiums. And I think it's a huge kind of moment for BYU and the Big 12 in the sense of the Big 12 gets to see what BYU truly brings to the table when they travel, right? Um, you know, you've kind of heard about it and you've seen it secondhand, but to see it now firsthand with them, officially saying, hey, all right, now all eyes are on you from the Big 12's perspective, and you're going to see, you know, uh, a very large amount of blue and white in that Baylor Stadium. Uh, And I think that's going to be kind of like that moment of like, okay, right, this is going to be good football. But more importantly, right, BYU is going to travel and they're going to bring in the revenue necessary uh, to make this a good move. So that's it's, it's huge. Jaron Hall looks like he might be, I don't know if he's hesitant to run, if they've told him not to run because his injuries have occurred on runs. Uh, He's such a dynamic athlete that I think it's a shame and it will hurt BYU if he can't use his legs. Uh, So with that in mind, if he's hesitant or they've told him not to run, whatever it might be, would you consider going to Romney? It looks like Romney might be, I can't say it, unequivocally, yeah. but he might be a better passer? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think, I think you, you stay with Jaron, and obviously, right, the, the injury that occurred, it wasn't just a matter of, hey, we knocked you out of the, or you, knocked the, you got the wind knocked out of him, right? Um, and so, you know, in order for him to be effective, and, and BYU knows this, the staff knows this, right? he needs to be able to use both his, his arm and his legs. And so, you know, that type of game plan is, is huge. It's just a matter of ensuring that, hey, this is bigger than, you know, you need to go out and win games, and we need to win games. And so we need to use your feet, we need you to use your arm, and whatever we have to do from the mental side, right, because physically he's going to be taken care of. The, the guy puts in more work than anybody and he's going to make sure he's hundred percent healthy and the training staff is going to take care of him. But we need to make sure that he's locked in mentally to trust that he can use his legs. 
and they need to make that a part of the game plan. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to kind of keep people on, on, on their toes. Um, both of those aspects are, of his game are so good that you can't just, you can't just replace them. Uh, you got to You got to keep rolling with them because I think it just shows a lot of trust in your game plan from the very beginning and not hitting the panic button just because one game down. Right. Well, the other thing is, even if he can't or doesn't or shouldn't run, whatever, the defense doesn't know that. I mean, the threat of him running is worth something, whether he runs or not, isn't it? Absolutely. No question. But you do need to be able to see it, right? If you if you bring the house and he's trying to get outside the pocket, but he sees the lane and there's a couple defenders, uh, it's very easy for a defensive coordinator to tell, hey, he's hesitant in hitting that hole, right? Uh, and so that threat can only last so long. It's got about one more game in it, but if he doesn't, you know, start start running, teams are going to start to compress and know, hey, this is this is a little bit more than just knock the wind out of him, or this is a little bit more than, you know, hey, uh, I we're just not running because it's part of the game plan, right? Yeah. So you look at the second half of the season; they're at the halfway point, and they're five and one. We know the teams they beat going forward. Looks like they would have victories minimally over Idaho State and Georgia Southern, so that brings them to seven. And they've got four more Power Fives with Baylor, Washington State, uh, Virginia, and SC. So to get to nine, all they have to do is split those four games. And I think obviously, well, the goal would be to win all six, obviously. But mm-hmm. maybe and to me, if you go ten and two this season, that, that's a really good season. So you're looking at uh, what eleven and one and ten and two. Uh, pretty pretty impressive when you think about it. What do you think they do? Can they get to ten wins? Yeah, I mean, it it is it is all a matter right of how consistent they stay. If this is hey, we're going to play three games and then have a hiccup game like they did the other day, right? Um, or hey, the next three games are super close, then you're kind of bound and inevitable to to lose the fourth one. Um, if, if they really bounce back from this game and pick themselves off and say, pick themselves up and say, Hey, this is, we can't let this happen again. And here's how we're going to do that. Right. Here's how we're going to ensure that we're playing consistent football, that our bad days really aren't, you know, awful days <laughs> like, like uh, this last Saturday, you have to ensure that that type of confidence is instilled in everybody. And you're able to go out and execute to be able to be a part of that big, you know, tier two, tier one college football program. Um, but if it's we're hanging by a thread for three games and we lose one and hanging by a thread for another three games and lose one, it's just uh, I, I think 10 wins is very difficult. But I, I personally have faith that everybody, you know, is picking themselves up and saying, okay, we don't let that happen again. And, you know, they can go in each week and, play football the way that they know how in the most consistent way possible and the way that they did it for, you know, both of the top 25 wins that they had, right? Uh, and so now it's just a matter of climbing back up the charts and making sure you kind of make a statement and prove people uh, prove people wrong. Do you find Baylor to be a little bit of a mystery? Have you been tracking them this year and you got some stuff you definitely know about them? It's definitely a mystery. Uh and that's only because of their new offensive coordinator, right? What are they bringing to the table? What are they going to show? Who's the one that's actually calling the plays? 
Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the big question, right? Uh, depending on how many times they fake the jet sweep, you'll have a pretty good idea of who's calling the plays. Um, but, I mean, this last week, I think you saw a different Baylor football team. They were, you know, exciting, fun, getting it through the air and making an impact on offense. And so, you know, uh, it's all it's all just dependent about how much power they put in, in Grimes' hands. So you're saying Grimes likes to fake the jet sweep a lot? Yeah, I'm not sure if you were uh, able to watch 2018, but I probably faked the jet sweep about 1,500 <laughs> times. Well, you got yourself in shape then. <laughs> oh, I was in shape. <laughs> sideline to sideline, baby. <laughs> hey, they had to respect your speed. No question. What did it say about no you? Question. I think it said good things about you. You seemed to resent all those uh, 40-yard gassers you had to run. Let me tell you, it was a uh, it was a tough one. When I did get it, though, it worked out. It wasn't it wasn't a half bad, but let me tell you. You think it was we, punishment or something? So you just said it, it instead of been. after practice, just do it during the games. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it honestly, it may have been. It may have been. All right, Dylan, we appreciate a few minutes. We will watch for the jet sweep and <laughs> jet the sweep. fake jet oh, I'm going to watch them both. I'm going to watch for the jet sweep and the fake jet sweep. When I can't Absolutely. sleep from now on, I'm going to have Dylan Colley in my mind. Instead of sheep, he's going to be running sideline to sideline. <laughs> just, just side One Dylan side. Colley, two Dylan Colley, three Dylan Colley. No question. No question. All right. Thanks, Dylan. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. All right. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. It's always, I sense a little bit of irritation. It's always the little thing. <laughs> Could I run 40 yards downfield? Because that's why most people want to play wide receiver. You got me running from one sideline to the other. No, I saw every game in 2018, but I don't remember that. I can back him up. Okay. It was. It seemed like... I don't doubt him, but here, it hasn't stuck right, with me three right, years later. Here right. comes the motion. They're not handing it off again. And it was him Here doing comes it. the motion. And number three, Dylan Colley, more often than not, was going... It was him or Micah Simon. Remember Micah Simon, who were number 13. Sure, Those are like the two like Simon, dudes yeah. who do it all of the time. <laughs> At least A-Rod, when he runs it, actually, yeah, you know, hands it off once in a while. Well, uh, I don't... Was A-Rod wasn't on the staff then, was he? He's been on the staff the whole time with Grimes. No, no, no. I don't think he has. I thought he was there yeah. A-Rod for came a year in. on the staff, but he wasn't a coach, wasn't right. he, he was an like analyst, a, when he was an analyst? Like, yeah, but he was. I think he was just a volunteer because they were going to add the 10th coach the next year, and they were going to add him. Now, Yach's looking it up because he's like you. We question his accuracy, he's, so he's going to the computer. <laughs> People in the car want the facts. Joined the BYU staff in 2018 when Jeff Grimes came in. Right. He was an offensive consultant in 2017 when they had the awful season with the old stuff. Oh, the consultant year was 2017. Okay. right here. There it is. There it really? is. He, yeah, we got it he's all. Been, he's been the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator the entire time that Grimes was there. He has been there with him side by side. That's off by then why didn't they just hire A-Rod as the uh, offensive coordinator? Because he hadn't been fired yet? Who hadn't been fired yet? A-Rod at Utah. Yeah, he had. Because he, he was there in 17. 17, when they went 4-9, and nine, he was an offensive consultant that year on, with the Titans. Then why didn't they just hire A-Rod as the OC then? An excellent because they wanted to get Jeff Grimes, I guess? I yeah. don't know.
Why? Because he only lasted a year as a play caller, and then they gave A-Rod. A-Rod's been calling the plays for over two years now. All good questions for Kalani. Well, it doesn't matter. And now it doesn't matter. Not that Grimes was uh, dirt by any stretch because he won a lot of games there, and that was a great move. They needed somebody who had experience, and so they went from almost no experience to bringing Grimes and A-Rod, and I think that's a significant factor as to why they've been as good as they've been the last couple of years because they've got everybody on that staff. They don't have any more rookies, and I've been saying that for years. BYU is not an entry-level job, particularly at coordinators. It just isn't anymore. Unless you've been like a Lincoln Riley and you've been there, or like a Kyle Whittingham, that's another story. You know, Kyle Whittingham was a rookie head coach. Of course, it was the Mountain West at the time, too. But at the same time, he'd been in the, in the program for so long that that's a little bit different. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. And one thing that just broke while we were talking to Dylan Colley, updating an NBA story next.